Welcome to the Startups and Downs podcast, where we discuss the highs and lows of running a business with a creative mind. Work and life, we've got to have both, but how do you best differentiate the two for more productivity and more fun times? Today, we're bringing you six tips on mastering your work-life balance for you to start using today. Today I'm here with the lovely Grace. How are you going? Yeah, I'm good, Danielle. How are you? I'm also good. And Monique, you are also here. I'm also here and also good. Right, (laughs) everyone's good. That's good to hear. (laughs) How's everyone going? What have you been doing today is a Sunday. Um, Grace, what did you get up to this morning? Yeah, so today, as you guys know, I don't have any dogs. I love dogs so much. I really want a dog. (laughs) So I have a lot of friends who have dogs. And I went with Jay, one of my friends, to another one of my friends, Alex's house, and got them, my two, they didn't know each other, my two mutual friends to have a dog date that I could just be there with. Oh, and it was, um, yeah. yeah, it was really fun. <laughs> I, I feel like, like a dog too. date facilitator. Yeah, it's like we need for dogs. Yeah. yeah, it's um, it's really fun. I went through a stage of a couple of years ago where I would go to like there's this really beautiful big dog park near one of my old houses, and there's this really great cafe nearby as well. And I was like, I just want to get a coffee, and I want to go sit at the dog park and like pat the dogs. But then some people would come up to me and do that like dog park chat and they'd be like, oh, which dog's yours? And I like, I'm just like enjoying them. It got a bit weird. So I stopped going. But now, yeah, I just try and facilitate my friend's dog hangout. Yeah, it was pretty good. Not bad. Monique, what have you been up to? Well, I do have a dog, so (laughs) I didn't have to sit. Um, and facilitate anyone else's dog hangs but no that sounds great we did a big adventure with our dog it was her first time going to a cafe and we took her down to our favorite cafe and she sat so nicely had a coffee took her for a walk and then we thought yes she's doing well so we took her to Bunnings and FYI, you are definitely allowed dogs at Bunnings, but they yes. have to be muzzled. Otherwise, oh. you have to put them in the in the shopping cart, oh. like in the trolley. I had no so, idea. So, yeah, like my dog is quite small. She's less than six months old and <laughs> definitely wouldn't bite anyone. But they're like, no, you have to put her in the trolley. So that was nice. We, she was quite <laughs> cute in the trolley. Did um, she stay in there happily? Yeah, she did. She did. She was really – took her a little bit to get used to it at first, but then after a while she just like – sat there and just looking around and she loved the outdoor plant beard and tried to bite a few plants but other than that she was pretty well behaved I liked that little air chomp you yeah <laughs> sorry to forget that no one could see that <laughs> but no it's awesome and then it's right nearby to where her puppy preschool is like at the pet store there so we ducked in and to grab her some treats and her pet school um, preschool teacher was there Miss Ash so we said hello <laughs> and she was gave us some extra tips so it was just a really cute morning with our dog oh my god what about you oh I'm sorry Grace you're nearly crying there (laughs) that sounds so amazing I want to talk so bad Um, you've got to get one it was the best I'm not gonna lie I I, I feel like next time she'll be more naughty because she's always like shy the first time we do something it acts really good and then as soon as she gets confident she's just a bit crazy so 
yeah, you won't want that when that happens. <laughs> what did you think, Danielle? Anything dog-related? Well, no. Oh, there is a dog as, as part of this story, but it's kind of like a side character, like one of those people in the background of an episode of Friends. <laughs> um, so this morning we had a little bit of a sleep in, which was lovely. We went dancing last night, so it was good to have a little sleep in. And then we went to a wedding event to look at a venue this morning, which was really fun, magical, but it was really far away and so we're not going to do it but these wedding events are great because you just get to see everything that's happening it's like nine o'clock in the morning they're handing out mimosas which was an interesting interesting um mix and then on our way home we went to our favorite cafe of all time in mermaid where we used to live and now we don't live there so we hardly get to go there and our friends came and they had a dog. So Aww. there's the dog. Um, and then I dropped Paul at work, came home and have just been working for the last little bit. So this is a lovely catch up. Aww, that sounds like so such nice. a beautiful Sunday. Yeah, it was yeah. really great. And it's so sunny today. It's just like the perfect weather, like no wind. It's just a great time. The cats are sleeping. They're just curled up having a ball. So, yeah, all up a great day so far. Sounds <laughs> lovely. So I'd say that our uh, work-life balance is pretty in check right now. <laughs> right now, like check in with me in an hour. Yeah. <laughs> so those small snippets into our Sundays, sounds like we just have the best time (laughs) yes but there definitely are some things you can do to have a good work-life balance which um we can definitely talk about today and learn a few things so let's just get stuck in grace do you have any top tips for creating a better work-life balance yeah, I do have a couple. I think work-life balance is really hard, first of all. I think it's something that I always aspire to be better at, but it can be really difficult. So I think that with any of these tips, like they're obviously individual to you, but also like we should all be gentle with ourselves and like not so hard on each other if we're not making all of our goals. But my first mm-hmm. main one is just to really set boundaries. So they can be individual to you, but some boundaries that I might have are like, not checking my emails on my phone in bed at night or um, making sure I have like breaks and not just eating food at my desk in the office, like actually going out and having a break or taking a walk, trying to have two days off in a row, especially if you do shift work, I think can be really important. It can be difficult, but really Mm -hmm. important to actually just switching off and having a break, having holidays, And communicating if you're overworked, so telling your line manager or your employer or whoever if you really need a break, if you're being overworked and making sure those boundaries are, yeah, really there. They could be anything depending on your work or what you need, but I really think it's really important because if we don't have any boundaries, then it's so easy to not have that clear work-life balance and just Mm. the lines are too blurry. Definitely. My other tip, my second tip is still... Another one in setting boundaries, it's going home on time. I think it's so important that we go home on time. And I think it's something that depending on your workplace or your company culture, it can be quite tough. I've been in companies that have both kind of cultures where one is really like positive work-life balance and people get lots of time off and they get to go home on early and then other ones that it's really ingrained in the company culture that you stay back, you start early. 
everyone does unpaid overtime and that's what's kind of needed to be done. And mm. I think it's a really tough situation. I think that if you not if you are staying back at work, it's not an indicator of your work ethic. I think it's an indicator of your productivity. You know, if you're going home on time, that's really important and that's what we should be doing. And people shouldn't be working a lot of hours unpaid. So I think that it's something that can be still quite blurry if people are going for different promotions. Often you'll see a lot of people working a lot of overtime, going in early, staying back late, trying to prove to their employer that they're this hard worker. But I think the mentality of it is just really, it's just quite shrewd. And I think that, yeah, our productivity and our work-life balance should be the most important thing. Work should never be number one. It should always be number two. Mm, that's such an important point but then I instantly think like it's the thing we do for the most amount of time like for for a lot of people so it's like other than sleep hopefully so how can you make it number two you know if it's what you're spending all your time on like other than spending less time on it is there any other way to sort of I changed the way you think about it. I think it's definitely, it comes back to the pressures of work as well, because in some industries, like especially hospitality, and it's almost like an industry expectation that if you work in a kitchen, you stay back hours and hours and you sign up for a job knowing that, you know, your contract says 45 hours, but you're actually signing up for way more because it's expected of you to stay back. And I think what Grace is saying is that if you make the choice to then stay back, do that. You're putting work first over your free time and over your, yeah, switch off and lifetime because you feel this internal like pull that you're expected to do these things. And it can be so damaging for for people. And it's like, where are the goal posts? Like, how do you then become, um, you know, respected or you're always working harder and harder and harder and longer and longer and longer. And it's like, where does the line stop? Because it's always continually evolving into this, you end up living at work situation. And even breaks between shifts then becomes shorter. So then you're missing out on even more time. And it's just crazy. But the it's the mindset of specific industries. Oh, well, I'm sure it happens in a lot of industries, but it's, yeah, it's definitely like a management expectation, which can then be really just terrible. Yeah, totally. and it's definitely something that I've only really recently in the last few months discovered because I always like considered myself and like will call myself all the time workaholic. I do huge hours in hospital before I was up management and not both working big hours and I just always felt like that was something that I had to do that it was really important and then when I was promoted and and have such strong career goals I felt like work was my number one priority and that was all I wanted to do like I'm single at the moment all I want to do is focus on work for the next couple of years and that's so important to me but then it just really clicked that I think one day my boss said to me, he was like, you're going to keep working these 60 to 80 hour weeks and you're going to turn around and really resent it and you're not going to have a good relationship with work. And that was one thing mm. that really put it into perspective. But the other thing was like, even if I don't have like a partner at the moment that is my priority or something else going on, I still am my priority. You know, so like my side yeah, activities yeah. and my things with friends have to come before work. And it doesn't mean that I'm not still just as driven or still really am working hard for that next promotion. 
and it's not an indicator of my work ethic. I'm still just as driven in that sense. But yeah, it's just so important that, you know, having breaks and I think we talked about it last time, but yeah, just being more productive if you stop as well. And um, I think you just end up resenting work if you work, mm. don't yeah, have that balance. So yeah. Yeah, I, I have some interesting info about what you talked about with workaholics, Grace, because it's it's actually funny, like I guess we've talked about some tips already, but I think it's important to look at the broader sort of sphere of why are we even talking about this? Is there evidence to say not having good like life work balance is a bad thing? Like is it a bad thing and how bad can it be and sort of what goes wrong if you have it wrong, I guess. And I think from what I've read, Australians are not so great at having this technical work-life balance, which I think kind of shocked me a bit because I guess people always think of Australians like these laid-back people who focus on lifestyle, but actually we're one of, you know, the worst at work-life balance as it's technically sort of defined. And and I think it's like 20% of men and 7% of women work over 50 hours so that's kind of how they define it and that was in 2017 which is actually a decrease so apparently we're getting better but that's still a lot isn't it yeah that's actually really surprising to me because you don't think of it yeah that's that's a lot of hours to be spending at work yeah yeah totally is. two whole days yeah and I think that uh, disparity between women and men and how many hours also puts a lot more pressure on women in a way like some people might look at those stats and be like well men are working harder they're working 20 percent of men are working more than 50 hours well it's only seven percent of women are working more than 50 hours but I think the more like I, I have a partner also who works a lot of hours and I think it just puts more pressure on the women in those men's lives if or men in those men's lives you know so I don't I think it is an interesting stat but I guess the one that shocked me the most was this talking about workaholics versus people who just work a lot of hours. So apparently, this is according to HBR study, if you are merely working long hours, you don't, it actually doesn't negatively affect your health in the, I think the measures are like heart, like there's heart and, and uh, a lot of mental health issues. Like there's various physical effects they can measure of people working certain hours and those who were just merely working heaps of hours versus those who were classified as workaholics, yeah, there was a huge difference. So most people who just work long hours, they didn't see as many negative effects. Mm. And whereas the people who were technically workaholics, even if they worked less hours than the people who were working the long hours, still were better off. So I guess I probably should define what they call a workaholic. So they're sort of saying a workaholic is somebody who struggles to psychologically detach from work. So somebody who is not just working long hours, but then they're taking their work home and they're thinking about it. They're not able to sleep because they're thinking about work. And it's they even said it's not just people who don't like their jobs, it's also people who love their jobs. They're mm-hmm. sometimes the worst workaholics because they're always thinking about their work. And Definitely. the people who can't make that switch, that can't turn off for some home time, they're the ones who are having the worst health effects from ongoing stress, anxiety, depression, not being able to sleep, which just spirals. So I guess 
I just thought that was important to talk about there because you can work lots of hours and and it not be as bad of a thing as long as you are taking that time to switch off and you're not constantly thinking about your work positively and negatively. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. And also, I watched this show once. <laughs> I have no no sources or anything, but basically it was talking about work and life and what tolls it takes on your body. And it was a study of two identical twins. They had the same upbringing, looked very similar, and well, identical, so obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but one of them, so one of them was like high corporate, fast paced lifestyle in Sydney and everything was work, work, work. And she worked so hard, but she went to the gym. She had like a PA and she was just like this go-getter working all the time. And then there was her other, her sister who was working on the farm, had a couple of cows, like gardened, listened to music, fed the birds, like that sort of life. And they were doing this test to see who was older by their body and their measurements of their, well, not like the measurements of their body, but like their inner health and what their bodies were kind of functioning at. And the corporate lady was sort of saying, oh, I'm always on the go. I'm so fit. Like I'm always doing things. My mind's so active. Of course I'll be younger. Like I'm just this amazing lady. And then the lady on the farm was sort of like, yeah, whatever. Like I don't mind either way. Like I'm just love the cows. And (laughs) then they did the test and the lady who loved the cows was younger because she didn't have as much stress in her life. And because she was doing what she truly loved doing, which might not have been seen as like, I guess, success in some people's eyes or uh, career goals. But because of her pace and things, her body was happier. And the other lady was like, obviously shocked and really sad because she was just like, I've been working so hard for this and it's not even helping my body Mm. kind of thing. Does that tie in? (laughs) I think it definitely does. And I, I, would be a self-proclaimed workaholic at times as well. And I think it's more than just the hours because sometimes I look back and I think, okay, I'm not doing any more hours than, you know, maybe anyone else. But I think, yeah, the thing that holds me back is that stressing and the constantly thinking if I do more, if I put in more, like if I give more, I'm going to get more. And it's just not really the way it works, unfortunately. (laughs) As that study shows with the twins, you know, you can um, be doing all the quotation marks, right things and still not getting, yeah, I think you've got to be careful in these lies we sort of tell ourselves about what we're going to get if we do a certain thing because if we look at the research, it's like, well, actually, no, (laughs) it's not going to work Mm -hmm. out for you. Yes, definitely. And they say even like when you retire, don't go on a cruise and sip cocktails for the rest of your life. You need that purpose and you need something to drive Mm. you. You need something to make you feel fulfilled because if it is all life and no work, it's like winning the lottery, which I'm sure we would all go on that cruise. Well, I mean, I've been on a cruise. It wasn't that great. But, like, we'd do something <laughs> like that. We'd do- How old are we here? <laughs> <laughs> we'd go on holidays and do all of that. But once the initial buzz wears off, then it's sort of like, but what's the point? And you do need that driving force. But as long as it's not taking over your internal feelings of success and accomplishment as well. It totally is a balance. It's like 100% a balance. It's a balance. Like people who work jobs are happier, more satisfied, lower health issues. But then people who, you know, 
working jobs that they're taking to a stress level yeah you know yeah it's totally like getting that metric right I guess Mm. that's like the the train systems in Japan they used to run 24 hours a day and because the work is like full on in Japan people were just working 24 hours a day because they're like, oh, or going home, you know, ridiculous hours because they're like, I can just catch the train. And so what they had to do is change the train time. So there was a time overnight that the train stopped. So you had to be on the train by that time or you could not go home until it was like five or six in the morning, something like that. But then what was happening or what is happening right now is that people are staying at work longer still, but then they can't get home. And so they're just kind of like wandering the streets aimlessly waiting to start work again. Or sleeping at work. I don't know if that's an option. That's crazy. I didn't know that because when I went to Japan, I was like, why is there not 24-hour trains? It's such an event. (laughs) And if you're in the city, it's quite expensive to take a taxi or like an Uber. It's quite pricey. The trains are really affordable and they're so Mm. amazing to use. So that's really understandable that people are doing Mm. that. And also insane that the culture there must be so much worse than Australia's for how many hours we've been doing yeah that's crazy definitely and if you want to see the effects of that check out Shibuya Meltdown the Instagram page I'm not going to say any more but that's basically the effects of the stopping train shit Mm. okay I look forward to looking (laughs) that up and I think that's also an interesting sort of take on a tip in a weird way of what kind of responsibility does our government and our society as a whole have for changing this mentality that's killing people you know I don't know the answer to that (laughs) but I think it's cool that their government sort of saw that problem and said we're going to make a stance on this and that's going to hopefully change the way people act and how they think about something back to that point Grace made about our culture in Australia and how yeah, I, I do it. Jeez, I sometimes I'll stay at work longer just because I don't want to be the first one to leave. Like I feel weird leaving on time. No one else is leaving on time. What are people going to think of me? I'm not even productive at that point. I'm just sitting there like doing work like because we're not productive after a certain point in time. I'm doing work, but I could definitely be doing it way better in my power hour of the morning. But mm. I'm just staying because I don't want to. I'm worried about, yeah, what people think of me. Yeah. Or, you know, it's that old cliche of you can't leave before the boss sort of scenario. Yeah, definitely. I think it is almost like a little bit stigmatised, like having to, like, yeah, working on time in those upper management, like big corporate jobs. I think that it's not government supporting us particularly. I think it's more built in those workplace cultures. You know, a lot of those workplace mm. cultures are built that you work overtime, like in all hospitality. Like Danielle was saying, yeah. like, it's just kind of, ingrained and built in them in that kind of industry or in that and then government should support yeah working right well I'd be interested in your take Danielle as you are running your own startup business at the moment you create your own culture where do you think your work ethic or your current work-life balance or lack of if you if you deem it to be comes from I think I've definitely grappled and struggled and challenged myself with work-life balance because when you're working from home especially, I don't have an office that I go to, I'm at home and I feel like it's so easy to just pick up the pen or the laptop or, you know, switch on to work that it is 
almost easier to work than to not work because you, you know you've got work to do and it's right there waiting for you. So if you choose to do it, you can. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, also, you, you've kind of got the source of uh, right in front of you. Yeah. It's like trying to quit smoking and always having a pack of cigarettes in front of you. <laughs> exactly. There's so many like temptations to just work. But now because Paul has gone back to casual work, he's studying, um, he comes home, he doesn't work night times as much anymore. So he's home around 6.37 and he, well, then we get to have dinner together. And usually what I would do is like, I've got nothing on tonight. I will continue working because like, that's just what I do. And it's almost like you have unlimited hours of work because unless you set those limits and those boundaries as Grace was saying then there's no switching off and even things like clients emailing you at 10 o'clock at night it's sort of like because it's on your phone it's there it's your mind is in work mode and I have within this last week actually put in some very good well I I'm finding them quite good practices which is turn my phone onto flight mode when I go to bed and then leave it on flight mode until about midday the next day. So that way I'm sleeping better, aka one of our other episodes, which is really good because I'm not getting constant pings through the night or in the morning. And then during the day, my first instinct isn't to reach for my phone. It's to have some better strategies and that sort of thing. And when I sit at the desk, it's like the desk is work and trying to localize work to that desk and choosing to sit at that desk and making that the workplace. Because otherwise I could, you know, go lay on the lounge with a laptop and that'll be workplace or go to bed and scroll through my phone and that's the workplace. So I think definitely having those boundaries is really important. But another thing, which is my first tip, if uh, we're ready for that. Yeah, I'm ready for it. Ready for it. (laughs) (laughs) I think it can become an addiction to be working all of the time. But if you work to optimize your time, it's almost like you don't have to work as much, if that makes sense. Mm. So it's something that I've been doing is using an app. It's just a, well, it's not an app. It's a, well, it is an app as well, but I use the desktop version in case you're wondering. It's called (laughs) Toggle and it's just a time tracker and you can set up different, uh, different clients in there and different tasks and things. And I, have definitely found that focusing on different tasks is overwhelming. So going streamline one task at a time is really great. So toggle for me is like, that's when work starts. And I can see how long I've been working on a client, say like I work on a client for an hour and then switch to a different client or something like that. I think that having those set times, you make it more productive, even just by seeing a number clicking over. It's like, okay, it's work time. I'm here. Let's do this. Asana, I really love for project management of clients instead of switching in and out of emails and, you know, messages and blah, blah, blah. It's all in the one place. And Zoom for meetings. For me, even with local clients, sometimes, well, most of the time, really, we just have Zoom meetings. So video meetings, because by the time you get ready for a meeting, drive to the meeting, have the meeting, drive back from the meeting, debrief, write an email. You'd like, that's a good three hours gone. And another app that I've just started using with clients and also our team is Boxer and it's just voice recordings. So it's basically, you can use voice recordings, obviously on messages and things like that, but Boxer is really good because it is like 
all of your work things in one app. You only go in there when it's time to work kind of thing. And instead of writing an entire email, you might be like checking in. For me, checking in with my team is really important. So I'll send a quick voicemail saying, hey, how did you go with that thing today? And let me know if you've got any questions. I just need to tell you X, Y, and Z. And then they can just quickly do that too. It's so so and that's more personal too like I find I take so long to write an email because I'm trying to strike the right tone Mm -hmm. I want to get across my points I want them to make sure I don't sound like a mean person a hundred percent awesome what's it called it's called voxer v-o-x-e-r and it's just magnificent like for an email if you want to you know lay it out change the headings do some bullet points I for one edit my emails over and over again just so that they sound good and no one cares how it sounds if you just can if you have a client or someone who you are working with who you can just send a quick voicemail to actually mon you and your boss could probably use it yeah that's what i'm actually thinking it would be good for because Mm. then yeah you don't have to worry about the tone because the tone will be in your voice Mm. exactly so much my uh, workplace uses kind of a similar one it's not a voice one but i really like the sound of though um slack have you guys ever used it just for internal communications and it's so good because there's so many of my colleagues who are like really backed up sometimes of emails and it's like if you really need something straight away you need a response it's really good Um, we use workflow max and it's nothing against workflow max it's a cool platform and it's really cool like how it's integrated from a finance perspective with zero and receipt bank which i love but yeah i sit there and i think how the f have i spent that long doing that like Mm. that shouldn't have taken me that long or or I go to do my time like I'd leave it too long I should do it as I go more it works well when I do it as I go because but then I start to feel guilty like yeah I shouldn't have spent that long but I think it's a great idea though because if I didn't have it like I do definitely do the whole race against the clock sort of thing like I can see Mm -hmm. the time's ticking over so I'm like okay Monique can you do this task in 15 minutes (laughs) go for it yeah. <laughs> it is. It kind of makes it like gamifies it. Like if you yeah. can gamify any element of your work, that is going to be good. I I feel like it definitely has saved me time. The more serious I've got about it, the more I sit at the end of the day thinking, shit, yeah, I have ticked off some boxes and I feel like I could do more or yeah, it's it's nice. I actually was gonna ask you again, Monique, so the time management system you use at your work is called workflow. What are you using, mm. Danielle? Workflow Max, WFM. Um, I use Toggle, T-O-G-G-L. Yeah, they're really interesting. Mm-hmm. They're two things that I've never tried before and they don't have a, a huge role in our workplace at the moment and I can think of really important ways we could bring them in. But I always looked at those platforms as ways to allocate your time and what you're spending like Danielle is using but I never use them as a resource to really analyze your productivity and like how you're using your time that's which what is they so are yeah cool. they're so good and that. I'm not sure if I told you guys but I got accepted for my MBA like study on campus this year and I got my timetable yeah. no I got my timetable like this week and I've got an eight hour class on Saturday all day I'm just doing one unit this semester because I'm working full-time and I think it's really important that I yeah really focus on my productivity and I think I'm gonna try and give this a go in the couple of weeks leading up to starting because it can be really challenging if I don't and I can see myself yeah really tumbling into um 
yeah, lots of. <laughs> you totally should. Yeah. You totally you should. should. I don't. I've never tried toggle, but maybe it's a better one. I'm not sure. Workflow can be like is a pretty massive platform. So unless you're using it, like I don't know what the pet free versions or low cost versions are. Whereas some of our individual contractors at our work, if they don't use our platform, which is our preference, they use toggle. So yeah, I don't, I'm not awesome. sure. Try both. Yeah. Toggle is also color-coded, so you'll love that. You get colors. There's reports. You can look at individual clients. You can look at the days and times. Like if you have to, I don't know, go back and invoice people, you can be like, okay, here is the exact amount of time. You can export it as a report. You can send them through the report. It's great. I cannot speak highly enough. You can definitely do those things with workflow, but there is not enough color. So I think you should go with Toggle in this instance because I know you love color. Like it's just, yeah. I think we should probably run through what our tips were because we are getting on on this hot topic. It is a hot topic and mm. I think we'll probably talk even more about this when we talk on time management, which is so interlinked yeah, with work-life balance. Mm. But now... I will pass over to someone else while I remember what my yeah, top yeah. I'll tips do mine. <laughs> so mine was setting boundaries for yourself and going home on time, not feeling guilty about it. So they were my two. Jen? Mm-hmm. Mine were make sure that you're using tools for time management. That's nice. So I realised in this process that I didn't really touch on one of my tips, which I'll just quickly say. When I was talking about workaholics, I was meant to say that a lot of our work ethic comes from our parents and what we see growing up Mm. and how we see people around us working and that just becomes who we are and what our culture is. So I think a tip, I guess, off the back of that is can we start to look at our mindset and question it and ask is this really serving me or is this something I've just seen and I'm just repeating what I've seen? And so that's one of my tips is try and rewire that influence from your parents or from outside environment and question how it fits with your life. And then the second one would be switching off. So yeah, having work as many hours as you need or want to work, but then when you decide to switch off, just really switch off and decide this is where it ends. These are my set hours. That's awesome. Love it. Great. So I guess that's it for another episode. Yeah, fantastic. We'll see you two again soon and we'll look forward to hearing your comments on this topic. How how do you manage your work-life balance? Do you have good work-life balance or do you think it's BS and you just want to work a bunch of hours and you don't care about the (laughs) the problems associated with that? I cannot wait to hear from my talk on that topic. Bye. Okay, bye.